Nearly every year on Labor Day weekend, I preach a message about work. Well, this year, I'm going to switch it up a little bit. I'm going to preach a message about work and rest. I've titled it, What's the Hurry? A Theology of Work and Rest. Now, before you turn your sermon outline over and write out your grocery list or start thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow, because I use the word theology, I want you to know what the word theology means. Theology is simply thinking about things the way God thinks about them. Theology is nothing more or less than thinking about things the way God thinks about them. Ever since I heard that definition, which is a lot better definition than some I've had, I've been captivated by theology. I mean, think about it. We get to think about things the way the God of the universe thinks about them. It's a little bit presumptuous, maybe, because especially if you think about what Isaiah the prophet recorded as God said this about us. He said, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So to think about things the way God does is beyond our capacity as human beings. And yet, God wants us to do that. The reason I know that is he sent Jesus to the earth because he wants us to realize who he is. When we start thinking about God, it's a little bit hard to wrap our hands around, let alone our minds around a being who's omniscient and omnipotent and all those omni things. But we all understand a baby. We've all seen babies. We've all been babies, right? And the point is this. God wants us to know and understand him. And that's why Jesus came. We can know another person. It's hard to know an invisible, albeit all-loving God. But we can know a person. In fact, Jesus came so we could not only know him, but know what it's like to be in the presence of God. And actually, when Jesus is Savior and Lord in our lives, we start to act a little bit like God. Actually, more and more every single day when we let the Holy Spirit lead. Because there's a God we call God the Father, the Creator, and Jesus the Son who came to redeem us, to die on the cross for us, and then the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. You see, we're already starting to think about God the way God thinks about Himself. So theology is important. It causes us to consider everything we are and everything we do from God's perspective. Today, we're going to think about work and rest from God's perspective. Fortunately, God said an awful lot about work and rest. In fact, even in the Ten Commandments, in fact, if the Ten Commandments were a pie and you like pie, you should ask for the piece that's about work and rest because that piece of the pie is 37.6% of the pie. More than a third of the Ten Commandments is devoted to talking about Sabbath. So, God thinks that work and rest are vital. Notice God thinks work and rest are vital. We live in a 24-7, 365 world, don't we? The other morning, I was coming back from the YMCA after swimming. It was about 7 o'clock, and I needed a pack of gum. So I stopped at Dollar General on 356, and I pulled in the driveway, and I went up to the door, and they were closed at 7 o'clock in the morning. Well, you know, they don't open until 8. Shouldn't every place be open 24-7? I mean, that's what we've come to expect, right? Why should a store ever close? We think it's weak to need a break. We think that, you know, basically, the reality is all the time we should be doing something. Now, I want you to understand something about this rest concept. I'm a relatively new convert to the idea that we need rest along with work. So that doesn't mean I'm biased just because I'm really bought into the idea that one day out of every seven we need to take rest. It means that I'm sort of done with the idea 
that if we just go faster, we'll get more done because all the hurry that we see around us doesn't seem to be moving us forward either as individuals or as a nation. So before we dive into three very significant passages of Scripture that tell us what God thinks about work and rest, I'd like you to hear the take-home point. And for those of you who are new, the take-home point is the one point coming from Scripture that we want to reflect on, think about, and live out in the week ahead. So here it is. Rest because only slaves get no rest. Now, I know the word slaves, we don't like that word. It conjures up, you know, some bad things from our history in the past of, of this nation. It also conjures up some modern-day things that we don't want to think about, sex trafficking and little kids in sweatshops all over the world doing things but not getting paid. But as we read from Exodus and then Deuteronomy, we're going to see God reminded the Israelites who had been slaves for hundreds of years that rest is part of what it means to be God's children. If you're sitting there exhausted right now because you've drunk from the Kool-Aid of this culture, which says if you ever take a break, you're a slacker, that if you ever stop working, that your value goes down, then this message is going to be like a cold drink of iced tea or lemonade or water on a hot summer day. On the other hand, maybe you're retired or maybe you're uh, laid off or maybe you just can't work anymore for whatever reason and you're thinking, I wish I could work. Well, this message is also for you. It's going to be like a, let's call it an electric blanket on a cold, frigid January night. Uh, it's for everybody. So when we think about anything the way God does, it does something to us. It refreshes us. It renews us from the inside out. The Apostle Paul put it this way. He said, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what, is God, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So Paul was simply saying, think about things the way God thinks about them. Don't think about things the way the world does. Because when we think about things the way God does, it renews us, transforms us from the inside out. Well, at least it can, but only when we apply what we've learned in the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, information minus application is just information. But information plus application brings transformation. So the idea I want us to take home today, think about, pray through, and live out is simply this, rest. Because only slaves get no rest. So if you have your Bible or your Bible app with you, would you please turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. It's the second book of the Bible, right at the beginning of the Bible. And we're going to look at what God had to say about rest, particularly, and work. And before we do that, let's pray one more time. Heavenly Father, I thank you that before you created the universe, you created the idea of rest for us, work and rest. And so today as we read these passages from your word that talk about the importance of rest and work and how they work together, God, I pray that we won't just see this as information, as theology, but that we will see it as something that really can free us so we can live as your children. We pray that you'll touch us in our souls, our spirits, our, our very lives, that all that we are and do would be committed to you and to your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Moses received these words from the Lord, and it says this, Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, 
your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, and the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. So the message is simple. Work six days and rest on the seventh. Work six days and rest on the seventh. So when I googled how many Americans take a day off every week, I didn't get a result. I got 1,500,000,000 results in 0.54 seconds. That's pretty incredible. Well, I didn't get an answer to my question. At least I didn't look at all 1.5 billion responses, so I might have gotten an answer. But in the first 50 that I looked at, what I found out was this. In 2019, the year before the pandemic started, only 28% of Americans took all of their vacation. Only one in four Americans took all the vacation that was allotted to them. So I'm assuming if you don't take your vacation, you're probably not taking a day of rest every week. I also found out that Americans are the most overworked people in the world. I also found out, this was a personal experience kind of thing, that while I've talked about Sabbath for many, many years, I haven't always practiced it myself. And so this, this message, I've been saying this the other two messages. This message is more for me, and I've already preached it to myself about 20 times. So if you feel convicted, like you needed this message, I already know about that. You see, the Sabbath, many times we think of the Sabbath as something that we, we have to stop doing something. But you know, there are 10 commandments, big ones, 10 big ones in the Old Testament. Three of them are punishable by death if you break them. Don't commit adultery, don't commit murder, and guess what the other one is? Don't break the Sabbath. If you break the Sabbath, they were supposed to put you to death. So it's pretty important. I want you to think of it in a positive way, though. Sabbath can be like an extra Christmas every single week. Have you, anybody like Christmas? Okay, half of you, third of you? All right, I thought more of you would like Christmas than that. Anyway, okay, so I know what you're thinking. Well, at least I know there are a lot of thoughts going in people's heads right now, and I know one of the things you're thinking about is, well, sure, you're a pastor. You can take time off anytime you want to. You don't punch a time clock. I mean, my brother Tom, my older brother, he always introduces me as his brother, the pastor who works three hours a week. He used to say I only worked one hour a week, but I pointed out that we have three worship services, so, you know, three hours a week. A lot of people think that pastors and church workers really... Maybe they work one or two days a week. And it used to be when people would ask me the question, are you busy? I would say this. I always said the same thing. I would say, well, there are four point something billion people in the world who are going to die and go to hell today if Jesus comes back. So, yes, I'm pretty busy. Now, the reason I said that was because I wanted you to understand I work a lot. Because everybody doesn't think that pastors do. And the reality is some of you haven't had a day off in weeks. I know that. Some of you work double shifts all the time, and I actually get that because I've done that both as a pastor and as a carpenter. On paper, some of you are thinking this, I get two days off every week on paper, but I don't get any days off because my kids are so busy doing all these things, and I have to clean the house sometime, and I have to do this, have to shop for groceries, like a day off every week? Are you kidding? That's never going to happen. And some of you are thinking, I wish I could work. I wish I had a meaningful task to do with my life. I just sit around. I don't have anything important to do. You see, we all have a different, every single one of us here has a different perspective when it comes to work and rest. But here's the truth. It's a really important question. Are we going to think about work and rest the way God does? And then are we going to do something about those thoughts or are we not? It's a really hard question. 
But if we want to think about things the way God does, and if we want to actually believe in the God we say we do, it's really important. So God said this about Sabbath. He said, remember to observe the Sabbath. The Israelites had been slaves for 400 years. So if we think the idea of taking a day off is a little bit hard to imagine, imagine a group of people who in generations, nobody had ever had a day off. They worked every day, seven days a week. They never got to stop. If they fell over, you know, they would get beaten. So they just worked, 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 worked. Now God is saying, take a day off. And notice what the commandment says. We have six days every week for our ordinary work. But then he said on the seventh day, it's a day of rest. And it says, dedicated to the Lord your God. So on that seventh day, notice what he said. He said, you can't work. Your children can't work. Your servants can't work. Even your animals can't work. Even your animals get a day off every single week. So God was serious about work and rest. He called the people, think about this, seven days, so if you work six days, that's 85.7% of the time we're supposed to work, and then 14.3% of the time, one day, we're supposed to rest. Interesting that God told us to give 10% of our income to him, but 14.3% of our time. Now, I don't want to go on a tangent, but American Christians aren't really that great at either of those things, giving 10% or taking 14% of our time and dedicating it to the Lord. I'm not saying you're not. I'm just saying, in general, the statistics are Americans don't do a great job of that. And please, please, please hear what I just said, not as condemnation, but as an invitation to remember who we are. We are God's children. So much has been written, not just in Christian books, but in secular books about the benefit of generosity and rest. You can read them, and even if you only care about your body and your health from a worldly standpoint, it would be sensible to be generous and to rest but if you want to think about things the way God does, generosity and rest are a big part of it. So very quickly, let's turn to the other scripture in the Old Testament that talks about Sabbath. It's actually in a book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy, the name Deuteronomy means, Deuteronomy means second law. Here's what happened. When Moses was coming down off the mountain after receiving the, the law, the Ten Commandments and all the other commandments, 600 and some, the first time he heard singing in the camp. And when he got into the camp, he found out they were having a party and they were worshiping an idol. It's one of the more bizarre accounts in the history of Israel. Because if you think about it, the Israelites, if there's anybody who ever should have believed in God, it would have been the Israelites. The Israelites had been in slavery for 400 years and then God sent Moses and his brother Aaron to the king of Egypt, to the Pharaoh, and he said, let my people go. And of course, Pharaoh said, I'm not letting my pe your people go. They're, they're my slaves, and they're doing all the work, and I'm not letting them go. So God started sending plagues, 10 plagues that decimated Egypt. In fact, when the Israelites left Egypt, the Israelites were given the gold and silver jewelry that the Egyptians owned, and so they got wealth, and, and Egyptians got poverty. And, and as the Israelites are leaving, the Egyptian Pharaoh realized, I just let go all my free labor. And so he sent the army after them. And the Israelites were facing the Red Sea on one side and the Egyptian army on the other side. And so what's going to happen? God parts the Red Sea so they can walk across. And after they get across, the Egyptian army goes in the middle of the Red Sea and it covers over and they all get drowned. And then, if, as if that were not enough, they're hungry. They don't have any food to eat. So God opens up the skies and sends manna every single day, six days a week. On the day before the Sabbath, there was twice as much food and then 
it, they didn't have to work on the seventh day. That's how seriously God took it. But all of this stuff happens, and Moses leaves for, not for four years, not for four months, for 40 days. A little bit more than a month, Moses is up on the mountain with God, and in that time, the Israelites say, we need a God to worship. Are you kidding? How in the world could a group of people who had seen so much from the amazing work of God in their lives turn away from God so quickly? And the short answer and the simple answer is this. When we stop thinking about things the way God thinks about them, we will think about things the way our selfish desires or the devil leads us. You see, if we think that theology is boring or hard or confusing, the alternative is our own destruction. It might not be as quickly as it was for the Israelites, but you don't have to really have a degree in theology to know if you look at what's going on in the world around us, we're not heading in the direction of following the loving God who created us. So God instructed Moses to receive the law again because Moses, in his anger, when he saw what had happened, threw down the first tablets. And we know what they said. We already read it. But when the Ten Commandments are given the second time, they're mostly the same, but not the Sabbath one. It's different. So let's read what it says. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your oxen and donkeys and other livestock, and any foreign, foreigners living among you. All your male and female servants must rest as you do. And then it says, remember that you were once slaves in Egypt. But the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and powerful arm. That is why the Lord your God has commanded you to rest on the Sabbath day. So in the original edition, remember what it said? Why do we rest on the Sabbath? Because God rested on the seventh day after six days of creating the heavens and the earth and everything else. He rested. But here God commands the Israelites to observe the Sabbath. Why? Because they were once slaves in Egypt. God had brought them out from that with his strong hand and his mighty arm. That's why he commanded them to rest on the Sabbath day. Children don't work seven days a week. Slaves do. And God was saying, you're my children. The Israelites were God's children, and we are. So when we remember that we belong to God, he's our heavenly father, we now know that we get to rest. So many times when I talk with people about the Sabbath, or really any Old Testament law, but the Sabbath in particular, people say, well, we're not under the law anymore. We're in the new covenant era. We don't need to worry about that. And they talk about the Sabbath as if it were time out. You know what I mean? Time out, like whenever you do something bad. When I was growing up, we didn't get time out. We just got paddled. But nowadays, when you grow up, as you're growing up and you do something wrong, your parents usually give you time out. And I'll tell you what, I like paddling way better than time out. Because I didn't want to sit there doing nothing. When my mother found that out, she made me sit there doing nothing. And that's what people think the Sabbath is. It's time out. But it's not. You see, time out is to correct you. Sabbath is not to correct us. Sabbath is a blessing to us. It's because we're God's children. We get to do Sabbath. We don't have to do Sabbath. Now, in case you think that you want to know what Jesus had to say about the Sabbath because after all, what Jesus says is the final word if he is Savior and Lord in our lives. Savior meaning rescuer from sin and death. Lord meaning master, owner, God. So he did talk about the Sabbath just like he talked about some of the other commands. He really reinterpreted some of those other commands. He did it here too. So let's look at what it says. 
One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Let's stop just for a minute there. The Pharisees were sort of the religious police in that day. And what they were saying is, hey, look, it's the Sabbath. Your guys just open up a bag of Doritos. And open up that bag of Doritos, that's work. Why are they doing that? I mean, that's really the same thing that we're talking about. They were going to get a snack. That's all it was. And so that was considered work. And so what does Jesus say? He says, haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God during the days when Abiathar was high priest. He broke the law by eating in the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even over the Sabbath. So let's sum up Jesus' point here because it's easy to miss Jesus' point. He was saying the Sabbath was made for you. The Sabbath, rest, it was made for you and me. We can be renewed, we can be refreshed, and also when we have a Sabbath, it gives us time to think about things the way God thinks about them. Because sometimes we don't take the time to do that. A month ago today, I found out that I have a severely arthritic right hip. I found out I have bone scraping against bone. And I, I found that I can alleviate the pain, I've been told, by doing three things. Number one is I need to maintain a healthy weight, which is about 10 pounds lighter than I am right now. I need to stop running. And I need to not sit so much. Well, first of all, I've been running since I was like two and a half years old. And to be told that you can't run anymore, that's a hard thing. The other thing is I just don't like to be told I can't do something. I don't know if any of you are that way. But when somebody says don't, like don't touch that wet paint, don't touch, it's usually dry. <laughs> so anyway, so for the past month, for the past month, when I go out each morning to walk, or more commonly now to swim, because it's way better on my hip than walking, uh, and, and I, go, I, I do that, the first thing I do is I thank God, because why? Because I can walk, because I can swim. There's things I can't do, but I'm going to thank God for what I can do. And then the second thing that I do is I ask him, heal my hip, because I believe that God can do that. And, and then when I walk or swim, when I'm really um, not in a hurry, because when you're walking, you're not really in a hurry. And when I'm swimming, I'm not in a hurry because I'm not a fast swimmer. All right? Guess what happens? I have time to think about things. And then I have time to think about things the way God thinks about things. So how many of us pause on a daily basis, at the beginning of the day, the middle of the day, end of the day, sometime during the day, to just stop and rest and to think about things the way God thinks about them? Now, if there's anything limiting you from doing those kind of things, then are you just pausing during the day to ask him, what do you have for me today, God? What are you thinking about? And how should I be thinking about my life right now? You see, I wrote this message more than two weeks ago. The reason that's important is our messages are required to be in 10 days before we preach them. But this was like 15 days before I was going to preach this message. I was out walking and praying as I do. And during the time of walking and praying, I, at one point I always say, estoy escuchando, which means I am listening. Because I pray in Spanish these days. It's, that doesn't matter. But anyway, I'm listening. And a lot of times when I say that, nothing happens. I'm like, I don't hear anything. And I'll walk along for another 
half hour just listening to see if God has anything to say. And then on this particular day, it was only a few minutes, and this message just flooded into my mind. I wasn't even thinking about this message, but then I was thinking just in general terms, God, you know, what do you have for me? I'm listening. I'm listening. And all of a sudden, I heard this thing about work and rest and rest and work. And you're going to think this is sort of funny, but I started preaching the message to the trees because I thought it was a good message and I didn't want to forget it. And then I went home. As soon as I got home and I changed my schedule, I wrote the message out, put it down on paper so that I would remember it because it was speaking powerfully to me that day. And I, I hope that it's been speaking powerfully to you this day. You see, you and I are God's children. Let's just stop right there. You and I are the children of the God of the universe. You see, we can listen to the world's lies that tells us we're not worth much unless we're doing something. We can listen to the devil's lies. And you know what the devil's going to tell us? You don't have time to rest. You know, half an hour just to listen to God? You don't have time for that. Who has time for that? Let me say, we all have 24 hours in a day. We all do. And we'll divide them up. I'm taking a half hour of my day every day just to listen. I think it was worth it on that day. Actually, even on the days when I don't hear anything, it's still worth it. Because I get to spend time with my Heavenly Father and to experience what it means to be a child. Not having to rush, not having to hurry. Just getting to be with Him. So, as we go into another week... And hopefully you're going to start tomorrow off with an extra day off, right? Labor Day. I used to tell my family, it's Labor Day, so we're going to work. You see, I'm really messed up. But God's working on me. And so tomorrow, I'm not going to tell you that I might not pull some weeds in my blueberry pit tomorrow. I probably will. But I am going to spend some time, I would say invest some time, just relaxing with my family. Just listening to what God has to say. Just doing nothing. That's what rest is. And I believe in that. I'll be honoring God and I'll be recognizing and remembering that I'm his child. So here's your next step this week. I will work and rest as the child of God I am. You know, that's good theology. And it's even better theology when we actually do it. Amen? Many times I say that the Christian life is simple, but it's not easy. But you know what I've been finding out over these last couple of months? Well, actually more of the last month in particular. It's a lot easier than I thought it was. When you actually take time every day to listen to God, when you take a, a, a day every week to rest and reflect, it becomes a lot easier. Because we start to think about things the way God does. And some of the problems that we had that we realize they're not really problems. And some of the problems are still problems. I and mean, we're still going to have temptations and tests and trials. But when we listen to God, the answers come. So as we think about everything I just said today, I have a question for you. Do you want to live a life with the God of the universe as your heavenly father, with Jesus as Savior and Lord, because Savior means rescuer from sin and death. Lord means master or owner. And with the Holy Spirit empowering you to do the stuff, that, which is a lot of stuff that we can't do. If the answer to that is yes, then it's simple. It's really as simple as A, B, C. First is A is admit. Now, admit means admit your sin. And what we usually think by that is like, oh, I gossiped or I cussed somebody out or did this or that. But do you realize if you worked seven days this week without rest, that's a sin? 
to not acknowledge that we are just human. Because if I have to work seven days a week so the world doesn't, you know, stop spinning, then who do I think I am? I think I'm God. I always say there's no T at the end of my name, and there isn't. But some days it seems like I think there is because I don't take a break because I've got to get this done. And sometimes you do have to get something done, but not as much time as we usually think. So A is admit. B, we believe. We believe that that little baby who was born in Bethlehem grew up to be who he was, the son of the living God who gave his life willingly on the cross of Calvary, died, shed his blood, rose from the dead, and then went back to heaven and sent the spirit of the living God into his people so that we can live the life that he calls us to live. And then C is confess. This is my favorite one. We confess that Jesus is Lord. And we do that to our family, with our people at school, with people at work. And the thing is, you know, I want to make a really big distinction here. When we tell people about Jesus, some of them are going to be offended because the gospel is an offense. The idea that we need to have somebody die for us so that we can be okay that offends some people. But what we don't have to be is, we, we have to be sometimes offensive, but we don't have to be obnoxious. You see the difference? Like, I don't have to scream and yell at you about Jesus, because if I'm screaming and yelling at you about Jesus, I'm not acting like Jesus. <laughs> Jesus didn't scream and yell at people, except for the Pharisees, who thought they were so great. But Jesus didn't scream and yell at the tax collectors, the prostitutes, the other people. He just in love, shared that there's a better way to live. So, A, admit, B, believe, C, confess. And also, once we confess, we ask the Holy Spirit to give us strength to live every day. Now, ordinarily, what I say right now, or whoever's preaching says right now is, we're going to give you a chance to think about that. We're going to sing together, but we're not doing that today because this is a weekend when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. And what that means is we're going to celebrate that Jesus died and rose again for us. And the Lord's Supper is part of the church family's life together. And the way that you become part of the church family is not by paying a membership fee, but it's by trusting Jesus, Savior and Lord. So if you never have done that and you'd like to do that right now, pray with me. I'm going to pray as if I'm you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, first of all, for creating the universe and everything that uh, exists Thank you for modeling rest. Heavenly Father, I admit to you that I'm not you. I admit to you that I am a sinner. And I, I admit that I need you. I believe, God, that your son Jesus came to earth to show us who you are and to live a perfect life that we could not live and to die and shed his blood to pay the penalty that we owed for our sin. And I trust him right now as my Savior and my Lord. And I confess to you, God, first to you, that I need you and that I do want you to be Savior and Lord in my life and that I need your spirit to strengthen me because I still can't do all these things in my own power. God, we thank you that we have the ability to become your children because of what you have done for us in Jesus. And we ask this prayer in his name. Amen.